Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. Blake, Iowa Gopher. Aloha. And U Street. Hey all. All right, so we could talk about Rutgers, but we're not going to because Rutgers is terrible. Instead, Blake, I would like you to tell me just how afraid I'm supposed to be of the athletes in Maryland's offense. Maryland, good old Maryland. Uh, well, the Gophers have lost two straight to them. Um, I think the two years ago it was like a 31-24 game where uh, Maryland scored a touchdown, I think, last five minutes, like a long 50-yard touchdown. Then last year, uh, as part of the Rob Smith uh, farewell tour, uh, actually the beginning of the farewell tour, they lost 42-13. Um, to Maryland. I forgot it was. I forgot it was that bad. Like that's really terrible. Yeah, they, I mean, of the losses last, like the conference losses last year, none of them were really that close uh, until uh, Rob Smith was fired. But, uh, but yeah, so it got a little uh, revenge, hopefully in order. Maryland, I don't think is um, not that they were that good last year, which is the sad part. But I don't think they're very <laughs> good this year either. Um, you got a new head coach, uh, Mike Loxley. Uh, he was head coach, I think, at uh, New Mexico or New Mexico State. I can't. I think it was New Mexico. It was New Mexico State, wasn't? What? Wait, or was it? Hmm. Guys, help me out, Andy Street. I think it was New Mexico. Uh, I, I think th- you're right. I think you're right. All I remember is that he like yelled at his coaches, got in a fight with a different coach, and then was like kicked out for misbehaving, basically. All of that is correct, and it occurred at New Mexico. And then he ended up uh, in an analyst position with Nick Saban at uh, Alabama. Eventually became offensive coordinator. Now suddenly, obviously, he's reformed. Um, you know, new head coach. He uh, started off his tenure well at Maryland. They blew the doors off Howard, and then at the time, number twenty-one ranked Syracuse um, by putting up one hundred thirty-three points in two games. Um, some people, uh, like our very own Gopher Nation. Uh, we're very impressed by this start. Uh, I was a little skeptical, uh, and I've been uh, vindicated, I feel, as I've lost uh, four of the last five games. Uh, their one victory over that stretch has been against uh, Rutgers, which I think was a 48-7 win. Um, so a little skeptical how good they are. They've, their offense is pretty much stalled after those first two games in the Rutgers game. Um, they've lost to, I think, Penn State, Purdue, and then they just lost to... Um, Indiana, but the st- the first loss of the season was to Temple, who was actually not that bad. Um, but I get, it. I think that says more about Temple than it does uh, Maryland. But an offense, uh, you'll see, presumably Josh Jackson under center. He's a Virginia Tech transfer. Um, he's been out the past couple weeks um, due to injury. I think he injured his ankle against Rutgers. Um, but to be honest, he wasn't really lighting the world on fire before he got injured. He was, I think, completing like. Less than 50% of his passes, uh, averaging 142 passing yards per game and had as many touchdowns and interceptions um, those last three games, which were um, all losses for him. Um, it, his backup is Terrell Pigram, or Pigram. I think it, uh, it's Pigram. He's a bit of, he's more of a runner than uh, Jackson is. Jackson's actually more of a pocket passer. Um, so you, I think the fact that Jackson's back kind of works in. Minnesota's favor, especially if Kamal Martin is ready to go, because um, he's someone that can, can help uh, contain you know running quarterbacks. Um, but I think uh, as far as uh, the skill positions um, for Maryland, they're not quite as stacked as they've been in past years. Ty Johnson, thankfully, is gone. He's the one that's you know run roughshod over them in the past two years. But uh, 
they've actually been hit pretty hard with injuries. Uh, two of the top running backs, Jake Funk and Lorenzo Harrison, both have suffered season-ending injury, season-ending knee injuries. Um, so I said we'd probably see a heavy dose of Anthony McFarland Jr. and Javon Leak. Um, McFarland they have faced before. He's you know another one of those speed guys. If he gets in the open field, it's you know hard to bring him down. You definitely want to tackle him at the line of scrimmage or pre- preferably behind the line of scrimmage. But uh, he's just one of those guys that when he's when he's loose, he can score from anywhere on the field. Um, he's been banged up a little bit. I think he had a high ankle sprain um, two weeks ago. Missed their last game against Indiana um, and. They had a junior, Javon Leak, that stepped up and I think ran for about 158 rushing yards and two touchdowns against Indiana. So offense kind of came alive against uh, Indiana after having some rough weeks where they didn't score very many points. But uh, as far as wide receivers as well, they're also banged up. Um, Their top wide receiver, Jason Jones, was lost um, in fall camp to a torn ACL. Uh, And they really, honestly, they've, they have talent at wide receiver. They just haven't been able to utilize it effectively. I mean, their best receiver is um, the sophomore, Dante Demas Jr. He leads the team in all receiving categories, receptions, receiving yards, um, receiving touchdowns. No other wide receiver on the roster even has double-digit receptions. Um, so it's really kind of a one-man show. And they've honestly relied more on their tight ends in the passing game. Um, there's one, Tyler Mabry, and then uh, I'm just going to butcher this name. It's spelled Chigosium Anconquo. I have no doubt that is not that is a mispronunciation, but those two tight ends have combined for 27 receptions, 306 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. So um, I don't expect them to really spread it out a lot against Minnesota, and if they do, I don't think they're going to have a ton of success. But definitely watch out for any mismatches at the tight end position, especially if Minnesota's got their young linebackers um, on the field with uh, Kamal Martin out. But honestly, this I'm not hugely uh, intimidated by this offense. It just seemed like a lesser version of what we've seen in recent years. Like I said, you know, Jackson's more of a pocket passer. Um, they really haven't been able, been able to get the passing game going. They just don't. They, they lost, I think, two, two of their top receivers from last year as well. Um, the names escape me right now. But it just seems like a team that's, you know, first-year head coach kind of breaking into offense. They've got a couple of dangerous guys like McFarland and Leak, but uh, I think if Minnesota defense just plays sound, uh, they'll do well, you know, tackle well, make sure these guys don't get loose in the open field like they did last year, obviously. But uh, no, I, I, after taking a close look at them, I just I, I don't see the, the same threats as previous years, and hopefully that, uh, that doesn't come back to bite me. But uh, yeah, I think the Gophers match up well or in good shape. They just have to keep doing what they've been doing these past uh, seven weeks. So looking at, looking at uh, you know, them defensively, from what I was reading over on Testudo Times, which was my quick, you know, perusal to, to get acclimated because I've paid no attention to Maryland once they started, you know, pooping the bed. Uh, it, it seems as though their defensive secondary is not great. Would that be an accurate assessment? Yeah, that'd be extremely accurate. Um, it's a, it's dire straits for that secondary. <laughs> Uh, their senior cornerback, Tino Ellis, has been lost for the season. He had an undisclosed um, upper body injury. And their other senior cornerback, Marcus Lewis, he's missed three games already with a knee injury. Um, and they've relied on three or four true freshmen and redshirt freshmen in the secondary. Um, a couple of true freshmen in particular, Deontay Banks and Levante Gator, have kind of been trial by fire. Uh, the results have have not been great. They're one of the worst teams in the country against the pass. Um, they're allowing, I think, an average about 
280-some yards per game, which is worse than the Big Ten and tied for 118th nationally. Um, just to give an idea, too, of the competition, um, Purdue's quarterback, uh, Jack Plummer, in his second career start ever, um, was 33 of 41 for 420 passing yards and three touchdowns against Maryland. Um, and even worse, against Rutgers, and this is a game that they won 48-7, um, Johnny Lang and Mustard, 163 passing yards, um, which is a pretty extraordinary feat for that Rutgers offense. So um, literally they have not been able to stop anybody through the air. Um, and a lot of it too, which is good news for the Gophers, is a lot of teams are using slant routes to gather them for big, big, big chunks of yards. Um, and the thing is Maryland likes to be aggressive up front um, and leave their secondary and man coverage, but <laughs> they don't think they have the cover corners um, to be able to do that against teams with good wide receivers. And also they've had a problem uh, pressuring the quarterback and getting the pass rush going right, right now against, you know, big 10 teams and not named Rutgers. I think they're averaging less than a sack per game. So um, it's, it's really just been a perfect storm for that defense uh, against the pass. Uh, they're a little bit better against the run. Um, they do operate out of a, a base three, four defense. They've got three seniors on the, on the defensive line, but um, really, I think to me, their best players um, are the two sophomore linebackers. I think Ayinde uh, L.A. and Chance Campbell, uh, the two of their top three tacklers, um, and those guys that kind of have been the key in in stopping the run. I think they rank um, maybe thirty six nationally in uh, rushing defense. And I uh, part of me does I haven't watched a ton of Maryland, so I don't know if that's a result necessarily of teams just throwing like crazy or if they're actually stopping the run, but. Uh, to me, I, I think you definitely see more teams running late in the game based on some of these scores. But for some reason, the teams have just been passing like crazy. So um, Minnesota may have some issues establishing the run, but I, I think they're a balanced enough offense. We've seen what, what they can do through the year. Um, hopefully, just Tanner Morgan doesn't have a first half like he did against uh, Rutgers. Otherwise, it may be an ugly um, first and second quarter. But, yeah, I, I really hope to see, you know, um, Offensive coordinator Kirk Schrock could kind of crank up the passing game early, um, maybe put some distance between Minnesota and Maryland to give us a nice cushion because um, the secondary is just ripe for the picking. Street, I, I think actually what uh, Blake said there was a perfect transition to what I was about to ask, which was do you feel that this will get treated as an actual conference game or are we going to get treated to the uh, the Kirk Schrock special is what I'm going to call it for right now. It'd be awfully dumb if it got treated as the Kirk Chiraga special. Expand. <laughs> part of part of the reason why it was fair to treat Rutgers as a non-conference game is Rutgers is quite possibly the worst D1 D one team I have ever seen play football. I mean, that team is horrifically bad. And consequently, what you want to get out of that game is you want to win and have no one get injured. Unfortunately, the Gophers did not accomplish both objectives during the Rutgers week. Maryland is not a good team. Blake's preview indicates that. Their record indicates that. They have a lot of challenges, but they do have an awful lot of good athletes. And they are absolutely a team that can score points. If you act as if they won't score points, and if we're being real honest... Rutgers couldn't against the first string defense, certainly not with Johnny Langan as their quarterback. Maryland absolutely can. So treating this game as if it is anything other than the most important game of the Fleck era is wrong. And therefore, if it is the Kirk Chiraka special, something has gone dramatically off the rails. All right, that's fair. 
Well, I just just interject. I do think we are we are missing the most important question going into the game on Saturday, and is is that whether Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be wrapped in bubble wrap or put into carbonite Friday night before the game? <laughs> he can't get hurt a third time against this team, can he? Get out of here with your jinxes. He absolutely could. That would that would legitimately constitute a curse. I think three times is like a legitimate curse. Therefore, I vote Carbonite. It also incidentally sets up another thing that's very important about this game, which is I think the defense will come to play. One of the nice things about watching Joe Rossi's defense is that when they go base, they're very much not thinking that their opponent is going to be a huge challenge, and therefore they're really just trying to avoid getting beat deep. An easy way to tell how up for it this game is as Blake mentioned about the quarterback situation, if Minnesota is blitzing a lot, but playing you know zone behind it or doing something for which they're sort of safe blitzing as opposed to just rushing four and making sure everything stays in front of them, the team is treating it like it's a real game, which I expect them to do so. I, I mean, God, I hope they do because I would really, really like to be 8-0. That would feel really good. I've sort of laid back a little bit this year. Like, I think I was just waiting for the shoe to drop. Not not in like the the collapse of a season way, but just like, you know, this is a team that could drop a game. I was just waiting for them to drop a game, get their stuff together, and then go on to have a, a good year, which is basically, I think, how most of us looked at how the year could progress. And instead, it's just gotten progressively more and more exciting as the year has gone on. And I would really like to come into Penn state week coming into Minnesota, getting to visit Minnesota for Penn state week, uh, being it. No, that would be a lot of fun. I feel like. No, I think it's felt like these first like eight games are just kind of like, this sounds bad, but it just feels like a trial period. Like everyone's just kind of waiting for, like you said, like the other shoe to drop. And if like they survive this weekend and make it out, eight, no, I think that cranks the excitement up a lot. Um, especially for the, if, Penn State's coming in there eight no two. I mean they'll both be coming off their bye weeks. Um, I would assume by that point Minnesota's probably hovering just just outside the top ten, and Penn State's in the top ten. I I just think that this whole season feels like it's building towards that crescendo. And I mean there's four there'll be four games left after Maryland, but I just think that whole month of November is just going to be a whole new level that we haven't experienced in a long time. If this team is eight no um, entering that stretch, I agree. It could be a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. I feel like. All right, so let's go take a look at basketball. We'll start with the men. The men had their scrimmage, uh, secret scrimmage, closed scrimmage. I guess it's not really a secret when they're releasing stats, but uh, their scrimmage against Iowa State, who they bested in this scrimmage, which um, I don't know, seemed like was maybe a slight surprise. Street, uh, what were your main takeaways from from that scrimmage? I, I know it's early, but... I'm sure you have some thoughts. There are two big ones. The first one is it seems that the starting five has been solidified. Marcus Carr at the one, Gabe Kelcher at the two, Peyton Willis at the three, Elhan Demir, the transfer at the four, and then, of course, Danny Lutero at the five, though it seems like your starting lineup. That's a pretty impressive lineup. You got three, impressive in the sense of you got three shooters on the floor, which is something that partially because of the struggles of Dupree McBrayer last year was not something that you could usually say about what Minnesota was putting on the floor. So that's the first thing. 
I think you'll say about it. the second is any scrimmage is a scrimmage for a reason. There's going to be lots of problems. One of the problems that Minnesota have is a lot of turnovers, a lot of fouls. And watching that, what that suggests is that because it's still early in the season, the team isn't quite on the same page in running both its offensive and defensive sets. That's not something that is concerning. It's very early in the season. It's a scrimmage for a reason, but it will be something with, in many ways, a very young team and a lot of new faces, a lot of new rotations, something to watch going forward. I think especially in the non-conference season, how quickly can they gel and begin to learn and understand each other? All right, so the men, you know, are already scrimmaging. The women, we have our kind of preseason media coaches uh, announcements, the the conference poll, as well as some preseason players to watch and uh, preseason all-conference uh, all teams. Andy, you want to break that down, and, and how are the Gophers looking in, in those predictions? Yeah, you know, it, it seems it's going to be another uh, middle-of-the-ground year in Lindsey Whalen's second year uh, coach uh, for the Gophers. The uh, the Big Ten preseason polls and, and rankings came out earlier on Tuesday. Um, the Gophers were not predicted to finish in the top five by the Big Ten coaches, but they were picked to finish, finish fifth in the Big Ten by the Big Ten media. Um, whether that's a little bit of a, uh, a Whalen bounce or not, I guess we'll see. But, um, you know, Maryland was picked to finish first again. That's no surprise. They've been the cream of the Big Ten crop for a while. Um, Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana in, in some combination, two through four, and then uh, We've got Minnesota fifth in the in the media poll and Purdue fifth in the coaches poll. So, um, you know, hopefully the Gophers are, are fighting for one of those uh, top four spots and, a, and the double bye in the Big Ten tournament would be nice. Um, to go along with the, the preseason honors, uh, junior guard Destiny Pitts was named preseason All-Big Ten by both the media and the coaches. Um, you know, Pitts also got named to the Ann Myers Drydesdale watch list, one of 20 players... Uh, that's given to the best uh, top shooting guard in the country. Um, you know, Pitts has been a star for her first few years in Minnesota. Uh, second on the team, sixth in the Big Ten, averaging 16.3 points per game last season. Um, you know, one of the best free throw shooters in the conference. Um, and with uh, with uh, Bell gone, she'll be the main scoring threat for the uh, to the Gophers this season. Uh, they get Godiva Hubbard back, which is going to make a, a big difference as well. Um, you know, give another at least scoring threat uh, from the guard spot so that hopefully Pitts doesn't get uh, all the pressure put on her. But uh, it'll be an interesting season to see, uh, you know, just ha- what, what's improved from a year ago uh, after Minnesota got off to their, their three, 13-0 non-conference start and then sort of sputtered in the middle of the Big Ten season enough to... Uh, to not make the NCAA tournament. So uh, Gophers get going here uh, already. Basketball season coming up fast. Their uh, first regular season game, November 5th, Tuesday against Missouri State. So uh, we're only a couple weekends, or a couple weeks away from uh, full-on basketball for both men and women, which is, uh, again, just like hockey came on super fast, it's a little crazy to think that it's almost basketball season already, but then it's crazy to think it's almost november already so stupid winter um well well, we're going to transition to some sadder news unfortunately former gopher volleyball coach mike herbert uh passed away uh and i'll admit i'm not super familiar with him or his time at the u Uh, andy can you 
just kind of walk us through what he meant to the U and in, in the U volleyball program? Yeah, no, uh, Mike Herbert basically is the uh, is the coach that turned uh, Gopher volleyball from sort of a an also ran into one of the nation's top teams. Um, he died earlier Tuesday at uh, San Diego. He was seventy five. Um, he started his career at Illinois and led Illinois to uh, several impressive Big Ten and national finishes. Um, led him to the Final Fours in 1987-1988. Herbert took over the uh, U coaching staff in 96, uh, coached for 15 years from 96 to 2010, um, finished with a 381-187 record at Minnesota, uh, go, led the Gophers to 14 incidentally tournament appearances, eight regional trips, three Final Fours, and a, and a Big Ten title in 2002. Um, lost the NCAA championship game in 04. Um, you know, he, he really was one of the best volleyball coaches in the NCAA during his time. Um, and, and really turned, like I said, basically he's the reason Minnesota is what it is now with Hugh McCutcheon taking over the program and the Gophers being a perennial big 10, uh, competitor and a national competitor. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough to see, um, somebody like that who's changed the U athletic program, uh, die but we all die eventually and uh, unfortunately it was his turn so uh but you know like i said his his impact on this gopher program cannot be understated um and 100 percent is the reason why uh the volleyball team has been one of the most successful programs the the gophers have had in their athletic department in the last 25 years looking closer at what's been going on recently for volleyball what's what's the big takeaway for you from the last week yeah, the Gophers got back in track. Uh, they dropped their, their first Big Ten game of the season at Wisconsin, the uh, 13th. Um, they got back for a pair of home games last weekend against Northwestern and Illinois. Uh, had no problem against Northwestern, easy 3-0 sweep. And then Illinois, just like the Gophers did in Champaign the week before, uh, Illinois took a set from Minnesota, but it wasn't uh, wasn't enough to slow them up. The Gophers cruised to a 3-1 uh, victory, so the Gophers sit at... Uh, let me do the quick math. One, two, three, four, six. Seven and one. Seven right? and one, yeah. Seven and one in the Big Ten. Uh, one game in a three-way tie, I believe, with Nebraska and Penn State behind uh, Wisconsin, who's still perfect in Big Ten play at 8 no. Um So the Gophers are right in this. I think the, the RPI came out this week. It showed Minnesota was 11th. Um, so they've got some ground to make up if they want to be a potential regional host, which uh, may not be in the cards this season. Um, but, you know, they're easily looking at uh, being a, a first and second round host at this point. And uh, as long as they cake tier business the rest of the Big Ten season, they'll, they'll uh, you know, go into the NCAA probably as a, as a top 10 national seed and have uh, as good a chance as any as they've had the last few years. Um, this weekend they head out to uh, the Mitten State for a pair. They get Michigan Friday night and Michigan State Sunday, actually Sunday morning here at 11 a.m. Uh, noon local time. Looks like both those will be on BTN Plus, so no TV for this weekend. But Michigan, Michigan State, not two of the Big Ten's better teams this year. So as long as Minnesota shows up, it should be a uh, it should be a pretty easy sweep weekend. They're still working some players back in. Kylie Miller returned the uh, the setter uh, who had missed several matches for the U. Uh, she returned, um, but didn't quite look 100%. Um, you know, the, the rumors around the internet are, is that she was dealing with some concussion issues, and um, that 
that was sort of um, picked up on as, as she left the match halfway through against Illinois on Saturday and was actually sort of sitting back and had earplugs in, so it looks like she might have been dealing with a bit of overstimulation issues, which is why the, the concussion uh, rumors are coming up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do if she's back and, and playing full speed this weekend or if they uh, if they sit her out again to try and get her back 100%. Uh, the Gophers' schedule is relatively easy here for the next few weeks before they finish with a gauntlet of uh, Wisconsin, Penn State, Nebraska, all in their last five matches. So uh, this would be the time for the Gophers to sort of take it a little easier and, and beat up on some of the weaker teams in the Big Ten here over the next couple of weeks before uh, the season really gets interesting as we get into the last few weeks of November. Good stuff. All right, we've got uh, quite a bit more podcast for you. We're going to talk hockey, uh, some dream non-conference football opponents, and of course our Maryland predictions. But before we get there, a couple words from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, hockey. Andy, the men swept uh, Niagara, right? Yep, the Niagara Purple Eagles. All right, so the Purple Eagles go down to the battle hymn, which we should never uh, lament a battle hymn. But I'm, I, I didn't get a chance to watch. But my, my take from from what I was reading was that there there should be there was a little consternation on Friday. Like, what are your main takeaways from from this weekend sweep? Yeah, you know, I think the the main takeaway from this weekend sweep is that um, you know this team is still gel, trying to gel. It's still trying to find its its way. Um, you know, the they're playing a lot of freshmen, and they're they're just not quite all in sync yet. Um, you know, I think that you saw a lot of really bad passing on on Friday night, especially. Um, you know, it was back to the same Gopher team that we've lamented the last couple of years, where they were working too hard to make the really, really pretty pass instead of just throwing it on the net and seeing what happens. Um, so you had a lot of, you know, a lot of transition three on two, two on one breaks where they'd wait, 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 and then whatever they wanted to do wasn't there, and it was just a wasted opportunity. Um, so yeah, the Gophers won three two Friday night in overtime um, after struggling a, a good chunk of the game. Um, Sampo Ranta, Johnny Sorensen get the first two goals, and then Sammy Walker got the game winner 40-some seconds into overtime on a gorgeous two-on-one where instead of trying to force the pass, he just shot the puck and he put it right past uh, Brian Wilson, the goalie for Niagara, to give him a quick uh, 3-2 win on Friday. And then Saturday, um, they were uh, down one nothing before getting a couple of goals coming right back. Um, Walker, McManus, Burke, and Scott Reedy got the goals. Um... Jared Moe, freshman goalie, he's now 2-0. and He played Saturday night in Colorado College, got the win. He played Saturday night against Niagara, got the win. Um, so the Gophers sitting at 3-1 and on the season. 
um, get their first real test of the season. They've got a home and home this weekend against UMD, and uh, you can bet the Bulldogs are going to be a little ticked off as they went to Madison last weekend and got just manhandled and swept by the Badgers. So um, it should be a good test this weekend to see where exactly the Gophers really are sitting. Um, but then again, don't forget the Gophers won and, and tied against UMD last year to open the season before uh, things went south. So um, hopefully Gophers can and come out. Friday night will be at Mariucci. Saturday night will be up in Duluth. Um, Friday night's game, Fox Sports North Plus on TV. Saturday night will be on My 9 locally in Duluth. It will be on uh, 9.2 down here in the Twin Cities. So um, you'll have to find that on your various stations, whether you have cable, satellite, or just over the air. But uh, both games will be on locally here in the Twin Cities this weekend. So you're saying I'm out of luck. Cincinnati's not going to have it. Uh, unless you can find some way. You, you might be able to find the Fox Sports North Plus with a little bit of help. But, uh, yeah, Saturday night, you're, you're probably a little SOL. Damn it. Um, women, another sweep. Anything major to come out of that? Yeah, you know, they uh, they played St. Cloud State. Um, it was a little more... Uh, a little more tough, I guess, than I think we would have thought. In past years, the Gophers have had no trouble whatsoever with the Huskies, but uh, St. Club State gave them a little bit of a challenge this weekend. Uh, Saturday, the Gophers took the opener 3 nothing. Uh, Alex Woken, Grace Zumwinkle, and Olivia Knowles got goals, um, and then the Gophers got the win 4-2 on Saturday, although Saturday was, uh, or Sunday, excuse me, uh, was a much tighter affair. They only led one nothing after two periods. St. Cloud tied it early in the third at one before the Gophers finally realized about halfway through the third period that, oh wait, we actually need to uh, score goals. And they scored two goals in about 90 seconds to take a 3-1 lead and added an empty net at the end. Uh, defenseman Emily Brown scored two goals on Sunday. That was good enough to get her the WCHA Defenseman of the Week award this week. So um, the Gophers have, have started. You know, Robert Morris was a team I think that, that people thought the Gophers were going to climb all over and, and had a little bit of struggles without in Pittsburgh. Um, they Their schedule takes a significant step up here uh, starting this week. They head out to Columbus to face number eight, Ohio State, uh, which Ohio State hasn't looked great this year, but that shows you that the, the women's hockey world is, is a bit top-heavy. Um, the Buckeyes have, have struggled, but they're still the eighth-ranked team in the country because everybody else below them has, has looked just as poor as well. Um, but it'll be a good tune-up because the Gophers then come back next weekend and get to host number one, Wisconsin. So, uh, should be four quality games here in the next uh, 10 days for the Gophers to, to really see where they're sitting at. Um, you know, whether they can leapfrog the Badgers into that top spot or stay where they are at, at number two in the country right now. Coming back to football, Florida's athletic director earlier today um, put out a tweet basically saying, hey, if you're uh, looking for a non-conference opponent and you're part of the Big Ten, the Big 12, etc., give me a call. Um, we've done some basic looks. It doesn't seem like it's reasonable for Minnesota to be able to make that happen for a variety of reasons, mostly because the years that Minnesota's got the open uh, opportunities that would match seem to be the years that we're already playing Mississippi State, and it's unlikely that Mark Coyle's going to schedule two SEC teams in the same year. That would be silly. However, it did get us thinking about what are 
dream non-conference opponents would be for the Gophers. And we've we've talked about this a little bit before, I think, but that was with a Gopher team where you were just happy to be playing football sometimes. Um, and now, you know, we're looking at a Gopher team that hopefully in the coming years can continue to, you know, be uh, interesting and, and if not a force, at least uh, certainly an entertaining part of the college football landscape. So we thought we'd talk about our dream non-conference opponents. Blake, I'm going to turn to you first. If you had to pick any school in the country as a non-conference opponent for the Gophers, who would you pick and why? Uh, some, I know some people are going to hate this, but I would pick Notre Dame. Um, they, they have not played since, I think, the 1930s. Um, I actually checked Minnesota's never beaten them. Um, in program history, they've only met, I think, five times. Um, but to me, that I just – well, my – my dad is a Notre Dame fan. I know if they did a home and home, we'd go to both game, uh, both games. You know, I've been to Notre Dame for um, one game, and I, I think it's a great campus. It's like there's, it's so tradition rich, and as cheesy as that sounds, I just uh, I love that stuff. But yeah, that's that's to me it would be just a cool matchup, Notre Dame Minnesota. I just think that'd be fun. I mean, talent wise, I don't know <laughs> if there'd be a gap there, um, whenever that matchup would take place. But uh, I just think it'd be a fun, fun matchup for me personally. Street, how about you? Who who would you like to see the Gophers take on? It's a good question. Notre Dame is not a bad call for all of the reasons why Blake mentions. I think that in terms of an early season that might be kind of interesting would be one of the teams from Utah, either BYU or Utah, in that it's a Pac-12 opponent. It's not one that you would usually expect. They're usually reasonably talented, and they play uh, both teams, but especially uh, in more recent years, Utah plays a brand of football that is similar to the Big Ten. So in terms of finding an opponent that would be helpful to prepare for what you're actually to expect, I think that would be a good one. The Gophers have recently played in the non-conference USC and TCU, who I also thought were very good ones. The only other one beyond, so separate the question, I think would be Texas. And I think Texas, for lots of reasons, would be a very interesting non-conference one. Andy, uh, who, who are you looking forward to? Or would you look forward to? Yeah, you know, there's a couple of different ways to go about this. The question would be is, you know, is it somebody who you'd like to face off because you think you know, either either for streets reason will prepare you for the Big Ten, or it would be, you know, be a, a fun uh, opponent to face. You know, just to de- see different styles and things like that. So, you know, if I'm going that way, I, I wouldn't mind necessarily uh, seeing if we could get a matchup against like Washington or something like that. Um, you know, the Huskies always towards the top of the Pac-12. Plus, it would be a fun locale to go to, and and um, you know, it could be a good early season and test. Um, you know, otherwise, if you're just looking for, you know, the ability to experience some really cool places that, you know, the game is secondary, um, you know, you, you throw out names like LSU because Death Valley would be cool or, um, you know, trying to get somewhere else, other some of the other, other SEC schools that, uh, you know, whether it be Texas A&M or something like that might be interesting. So, um, you know, Minnesota is improving their schedule, checking off. We've got, you know, the home and home is North Carolina, um, the reversal of the Jerry Kill special coming up in a couple of years. We do have a home and home with Colorado. We do have a home and home with BYU. Um, so we are going to be adding a few more of these interesting teams here in the next, you know, five, six, seven years. But uh, I think it would be, it'd be pretty cool to, you know, Teams that, I sort of like that whole, you know, Big Ten, Pac-12 
12 sort of thing, trying to get some of those rivalries against teams we played in bowls back in the day when we actually went to Rose Bowls on the regular. So, you know, I like the fact we played USC, um, you know, Oregon State for, for what it was. You know, it's a, it's a Pac-12 team, but not one of the better ones. I think that'll be similar to how I'll, I'll feel about Mississippi State here in, in eight years or so. But, uh, you know, if I, if I had to pick one team, I'd I, I throw the Huskies out there. I think that would be a fun experience. Andy's out here stealing my picks. Um, all right, so I'm going to scramble briefly uh, and, and pick some other teams since Washington LSU was actually literally the pair I was going to list. I will go, well, actually, how am I? I'm such a fool. Ole Miss, uh, I'd like to get down, uh, see Oxford, see the Grove. Uh, if you're feeling literary, you got the Faulkner connection. Uh, you know, Boston College, um, I think, is a, is a beatable Power 5 school uh, that, you know, you get the opportunity to visit Boston, which is always nice. Um, I would not be opposed to Clemson only because I want to see a game in Death Valley and watch, you know, the running down the hill thing. But for every other reason, that's a terrible choice because Clemson's way better than Minnesota and it really wouldn't help the Gophers all that much probably. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would love to get to a game out in Seattle. Uh, I have family out there. It's a beautiful part of the country. I think that's personally, you know, even though Andy already picked it, yeah, the Huskies, that's my number one for sure. So, all right, Maryland, let's, let's go rapid fire here. Predictions. Uh, Andy, we'll just go right back to you. What do you got for the Gophers on Saturday? Yeah, you know, for the second week in a row, the Gophers are having a surprisingly high spread. Um, you know, we, we saw the 29 and a half or whatever against Rutgers, and we're like, holy crap, and then the Minnesota had, had no real time in doing that. Uh, the spread comes in at 17 this week against Maryland, which I also think is a little high. Um, but the Gophers are 5-0 and against the spread in their last 5-10 Big Ten games. Uh, 4-2-1 and overall this year, but 5-0 and in their last Big Ten games. So... Um, you know what? I'm going to say the Gophers cover the spread. I'm going to say Minnesota 41, Maryland 24. Um, so I guess actually that'd be tying the spread. I can't do math, but they'll 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 match the 17 point spread with a 41 24 <laughs> victory. Blake, what do you have? I'm going to go 35 21 Minnesota. I think the offense stays hot, takes advantage of the Maryland secondary, and then the Gopher defense without Kamal Martin has a few um, issues, but uh, plays well enough to get the W. Street? 35 21 for exactly the reasons Blake just said. And I'm going to come out with 35 17. Uh, and uh, I think. Yeah, I, I think Maryland is a team that has to be accounted for. They can beat Minnesota. They've got athletes. We've all seen that. But uh, I do think this is a different Minnesota team. I think the coaches will prepare them well, remind them. I, I think if the Wisconsin loss to Illinois is fantastic for a number of reasons, but I think it serves as a great illustration of why you can't look past a team. And I think they'll also point out that there's no reason to look past Maryland to go to look at Penn State because they've got a bye week. And just to keep focused on this weekend and, and that'll, that'll pay off in the end. So, all right. So lots to look forward to. If you are in the twin cities, get out on Saturday, get to the bank, enjoy a great football game and a big go for win, hopefully to get to eight. No, uh, we will have of course, plenty of preview content and, and stuff to get you ready for that game. We'll have a great takes less filling following the game. And in the meantime, go Gophers. Sky Yuma.
row the boat. Go, go for row the boat.